Welcome to the Radical Flow podcast. My name is Angela. Radical Flow is flow that's on a mission, and that mission is to create a much better reality for us all. Welcome to episode 30. Have you ever tried to make a change, but the change just wouldn't stick? Despite all your motivations and your efforts, somehow you just slid right back into the thing that you wanted to be different. Well, what people don't often know is that there's actually a natural underlying process to all things in life, including change. This undercurrent is in the routine body processes like breathing and digesting. It's in our habits that we practice every day. It's in our hopes and our fears. It's in our goals and our aspirations. It's present when we're struggling, and it's present when we're thriving. Understanding this natural process is key to getting the most out of our challenges and to gaining that all-important traction that we need to make positive changes stick. Ah, yes, positive changes. Things like improved habits that you want to adopt so you can let go of some struggle or suffering. Changes that enable you to flourish and to experience the things that you desire. Changes like better health, better focus, better mindset. Like sticking your neck out and trying something new, leaving your comfort zone. Shifting inside a relationship, being more brave, stopping a self-destructive habit, or just going for your dream with everything you've got, no matter what limitations you need to break along the way. By positive change, I mean anything that needs to shift in order for you to gain that traction you need to go in the direction that you want to go. Well, I don't know about you, but in my experience, changing habits has ranged from natural and effortless ease all the way over to excruciating, repeating defeat and exhaustion. And in both those states, there is this natural undercurrent, the current that we know as flow. Let's unpack this with an example. When I was 12, all the cool kids smoked. More than anything, I wanted to be part of that group, and so I began smoking. Learning to smoke was really hard. It made me feel sick. I coughed if I accidentally inhaled, and I had to sneak around behind my mom's back to do it. I was stressed out, and I wasn't very good at it. But the goal of being one of those cool kids was so strong that I just kept going. I vividly remember the day when I was walking down the alley with my cool friends, dragging on a cigarette, and I accidentally inhaled, to which all my friends cheered as though I had accomplished something monumental. The praise of these friends felt like I was winning the lotto. I was in. I know, it seems so silly. But back then, belonging was a really powerful motivator for me. You see, motivation is key to making changes. Motivation pulls us toward the goal we're after like a tractor beam. The stronger your motivation, the greater the pull. Now let's loop back 
and look at this start to smoking again. Belonging was what I wanted more than anything. And by allowing that to pull me, I was able to break free of my body's attempts to stop me with its nauseousness and coughing. You know, its repulsion to the toxins. Before smoking, the body had entrained itself to clean air. And by the time I was inhaling naturally, it was now entrained to the nicotine and a whole host of yucky chemicals. In other words, my body was now hooked on smoking. Smoking no longer required the motivation to belong. Smoking was now an embodied habit. And by embodied, I mean my body memorized it, and that now drove the habit. My body would literally crave its next fix, and for the next 24 years, I fed its desires. Yep, I smoked from age 12 to age 36. Stopping smoking also needed motivation, and, well, I had plenty of it. I could feel the effects on my health. It was becoming uncool socially. It was expensive, and I knew it had me in its control. In my mind, I would tell myself, if I could quit smoking, I could do anything. Now, I tried to quit about every six months for several years in a row. I'd make it to maybe two days, and then I'd cave in. Then I started trying all the tools. I chewed the gum, I wore the patches, and I even had this little device that you would program in when you smoked, and then it would turn around and tell you when to smoke to disrupt your pattern. That little annoying thing hit the garbage can pretty quick. The more I tried, the more I failed. And the more convinced I became that overcoming my body's addiction to cigarettes was maybe even impossible for me. I remember one time watching an episode of The Twilight Zone where this man woke up in what he thought was his own bedroom reached for cigarettes on his nightstand, only to find them missing. And after a few minutes of frantic searching the room, a gentle voice came in through a speaker system and reminded him that he'd signed up for a stop smoking program, and it had now begun. He raced for the door to find it locked, the windows were fake, and the realization that he was alone in a room with no cigarettes and no way out settled in. I was on the edge of my seat, and out of my mouth came the words, that's how I need to quit smoking. Oh my, hey, can you imagine being so hooked on something that it has this level of grip on both your body and your mind? The pull of the biologically trained habit had me really caught in its force. The more it looped successfully, the more it held me in its gravity. And as bad as that sounds, these looping patterns, well, they're wonderful. Being alive in a human body is nothing short of miraculous. If you stop and think of the trillions of processes that go into just keeping your body alive, how they're all coordinated and timed, and how all of that runs on these biological loops, well, it's an absolutely amazing system. This system tells you that once you practice a habit long enough, you can do it without thinking about it. It runs on its own. Our ability 
to operate on autopilot for most things is a biological victory in nature's design. It's absolutely incredible. Unless, of course, the habit that you're running is destructive, causing suffering to self or others, which in the case of my smoking habit was true. When I started smoking, the motivator that pulled me was to belong. Once I was smoking habitually, the motivator that pulled me was the body's craving, the loop. To stop smoking, I needed a motivator more powerful than the body's addiction. And I also needed one more thing. I needed focus. Now let's backtrack and go over it again. My motivator to start smoking was to be one of the cool kids. My body was resisting the new habit by feeling nauseous and coughing. So where was my mind? Was it focused on the body's natural addiction to fresh air? No. Was it focused on the discomfort of the nauseousness or the coughing? No. It was completely focused on belonging to this group at all costs. Not only did the motivator pull me, my mind opened to that pull and aligned with it. I was in flow with the change I was making. Yes, it had some degree of challenge because I was shifting one habit for the other. I was asking the body to accept the toxic air instead of the clean air. I know, I'm shaking my head as I'm talking to. When your motivation and your mind are aligned, you are in flow with your goal. Learning to smoke? Well, I was all in. My motivation and my focus were fully aligned. So what was happening when it came time to quit smoking? The pull of becoming a non-smoker was growing in strength as a motivator. At the same time, the pull of the habit was still biologically strong. Where was my mind? Well, my mind was still focused on the difficulty. I never made it past day two. None of the tools seemed to work for me. And part of me actually wondered if I actually ever could quit. My mind was so focused on the habit and trained with the body's craving, nowhere near focused into the motivation of being a non-smoker. But I was still in flow. That natural undercurrent was still operating. Only the flow was keeping me in the loop, keeping me smoking. One summer day, I was in my garden on our farm, hoeing weeds and cleaning things up. My nine-year-old son was ripping around on his dirt bike, just having a blast. When all of a sudden, I heard a loud scream. I dropped my hoe and began running in the direction of the scream. And all of a sudden, my chest felt like it was going to implode, and the true effects of smoking were becoming vividly clear. What was worse was the next thought. What if I was running in the wrong direction? I couldn't see my son. What if he wasn't where I was going and I had to run somewhere else? Then this beautiful deer bounced out of the bush ahead of me, and she stood in full alert, looking intently toward the ground. You see, she had also raced out to find the source of the scream, and in doing so, she pointed the way for me. And there was my son on the ground with his dirt bike on top of him. And I'd made it there to help. 
A trip to the hospital confirmed he was okay, and my motivator to become a non-smoker was suddenly exponentially bigger and more real. Did I smoke when I was pregnant? I did. My doctor and I talked it over, and he suggested that maybe instead of quitting, cutting my smoking in half would be okay. He said maybe the stress of quitting might be more harmful than a few cigarettes. Now, obviously, we know a lot more about that now, and as much as I wished I'd quit then, I didn't, and I can't change that. The drive home from the hospital had me thinking about all of this. Quitting had to happen. I would not let smoking deteriorate my health any further, nor risk me being able to care for my son. So did I quit cold turkey? No. The pull of the habit and the pull of the motivator were now equaling in strength. My mind was still convinced it was going to be really hard, but my mind was also certain that we were going to do it. One could say I'd reached a neutral state, meaning the pull to loop the habit and the pull to break the habit were now equal. One thing we know that's true about focus and motivators is that when you're focusing on something, this reinforcing evidence just keeps appearing in your reality. What do I mean? Things just start showing up in your world that kind of reinforce the pattern that you're focused on. The idea that I couldn't quit was always reinforced by multiple failed attempts. The idea that I would overcome was all of a sudden being reinforced by the people around me, including my sister gifting me a book called The Easy Way to Quit Smoking by Alan Carr. Now, just as the dirt bike accident was a pivot for me, so was this book. Not only did the book present a great discussion about quitting smoking, it pivoted my mind more toward becoming a non-smoker. In other words, I had more focus on the non-smoking than I did on the smoking. Mind plus motivation, well, it gives us momentum. Momentum in the direction of that motivator. And then the pull of that motivator wins. To change a habit, the pull of the change must be greater than the pull of the habit. It's simple dynamics. Just like if you were launching a rocket off the surface of the earth, you'd need a force strong enough so that you could break free of that gravitational pull. Well, changing a habit means having a motivator with a pull that's strong enough to break the gravitational pull of your habit. Reading the book enabled me to sit in the clear mindset that I was doing this, and now I was learning how. The more I read and the more I practiced the suggestions, the more convinced I became that I could actually do it. And three months after my son's dirt bike crash, I left work on a Friday long weekend, tossed my cigarettes in the garbage on the way out, and then stopped to pick up a stack of movies and a pizza only to land on my couch back at home. My husband and son, well, they waited on me all weekend, taking all my pressure off, which in and of itself was a huge motivator. And my smoking days were finally over. 
It turned out my body really didn't need more than a few days to get over the physical craving. It was the mental craving and how the habit was interwoven into every part of my life that still had pull. But now that I was orbiting above the biological habit, I was determined to never land back in that kind of pull again and never have to re-experience breaking free of it a second time. I was done smoking, period. In fact, I heard that statement that I'd said to myself years and years before. If I can quit smoking, I can do anything. And I got really excited about that. Not only did I change the habit, I built the habit of change. Let me repeat that. Not only did I change the habit, I built the habit of change. Okay, so you've wandered with me in my memories for most of this podcast. What's my overall point? This undercurrent of life, the flow, it's always moving. Within you, it's looping to hold you in your habits in your biological processes, your memories, your attitudes, your states of being. This looping is keeping you alive, coordinating trillions of physiological processes. All improvement and all change results when you break free of loops that are harmful and entrain to better ones. You can loop anything you can experience and embody meaning you can develop any habit you choose. These loops, well, they hold momentum and they're perpetuated by a motivation of continuity, that continuity being life itself. Looping over and over keeps you relatively the same, moment to moment, always allowing you to stay alive. Loops are fabulous, and they're powerful, and they're enduring. One could even call this looping nature our primal will to live. What gives a loop power is your focus, which is why loops that become embodied come with their own attitudes and emotions built right in. Now, I'm sure you can relate if you've ever tried to stop smoking or change an eating habit or any kind of routine in any way, you know that at some point your body sends impulses to try to keep you to do the old habit. And pretty soon your mind is thinking, you know what, tomorrow, tomorrow is a much better day to make this change. Can you relate? The loop will drive your memorized thinking. The loop itself will try to preserve itself. That's the life force, right? The will to live. In order to change, we need motivators that are more powerful than the habits. And we need to fuel those motivators with our focus. After all, energy flows where our focus goes. Ultimately, you could say, change happens when the pull of the change is greater than the pull of staying the same. And if you look at any positive change in your life, you will see that there's a pivot point, a moment when your focus shifts 
towards the change and tips the scales. When the motivator becomes strong enough that once fueled, it has the power to pull you out of the habit. And you'll also notice that the change occurs after that pivot in reality, but it actually occurs at that pivot in the energy. What do I mean? Well, just like my son's dirt bike crash gave me a pivot, the change actually happened in the moment of that realization that I needed to quit. While it took me three months to actually bring that into my material reality, the scale was already tipped in favor of the change. Okay, so we know that motivation and focus equals a natural pull. So what about fear? Fear is a very powerful motivator. Could we use fear to make change? I know this one too. The difference between fear and a motivation towards something better is that fear is push energy instead of pull energy. Fear pushes you away from something. You say to yourself, I don't want that, so I'm moving away from it. Pull energy allows you to relax and be supported in that natural current as it pulls you toward your goal. Push energy is like swimming against the current. So while powerful fear can overcome a current, once you stop being afraid, you stop swimming away from your fear. And most often, that pull of that habit, which is so strong, pulls you right back into the same pattern. Why? Because the natural pull of the pattern is greater than the fear that you no longer have. When we live our lives using fear as a motivator, we're continuously facing the same challenges over and over again. Changes we make by gritting our teeth and running from a habit rarely stick. To truly disempower a habit, you must focus into motivation that's different. Get entrained into that new pattern and literally drain the old pattern of its power until it dissolves into the memory bank as golden wisdom. Yes, the pull of the old habit has to be overcome, but it's focus forward into the motivation that truly takes care of that. Fear is fleeting. It spikes, pulls us into the running action, the, you know, the pushing away. But flow is enduring. Flow has the natural power. It has the direction already in play. Now, when I look back on my smoking habit, I see it with wisdom. On the 10th year anniversary of quitting, I actually was sitting on the highest point of the Island of the Sun in Bolivia on Lake Titicaca. I was sitting in a peace pipe ceremony with a local shaman. And as the scent of the tobacco came wafting past my nose, I marveled at the truth of that old belief I'd had. If I could just quit smoking, I could do anything. And you know what? There I was doing anything. Changing that habit built the habit of change. Ten years later, I was roaming the earth on my own, single, doing what I loved, 
and in continuous experiences of breaking old patterns, learning, evolving, walking in the unknown, and becoming true to who I really was. I could was really the definition of change itself, moving in fluid motion. Now, 21 years after that weekend on the couch with the pizzas in the movies, I teach flow dynamics every day, how to understand it, how to align to it, and how to use it to evolve in positive and enjoyable ways. My clients do far more than simply shift habits. They accept the truth of what's happening in their lives and then focus intentionally on better realities, allowing the pull of their greatest aspirations and their focus to guide and lead them in their lives, to live in that natural undercurrent we know as flow. Once you fully understand the nature and implications of flow, you're never the same again. You love yourself at a level that's so deep and you understand your nature without any judgment. Instead, you use strategic flow triggers to motivate and focus yourself forward into much better realities for yourself while you contribute to a much better reality for us all. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, thank you for listening to this Radical Flow podcast. It always means the world to me that you do. If you'd love to master the art of flowing, sign up to work with me. In three months, you'll be flowing like a pro and enjoy a whole year of support within our community. Visit flowtribe.ca for all those details. And until next time, we'll see you in the flow.